DW. One of the places where environmentalists and, in particular, Green Party politicians have really been able to gain a stronghold is right here in Germany. In EU elections this past May, the Greens gained 20% of the vote in Germany, twice as much as in 2014. And in local elections this September, a green wave swept through parts of Germany, including North Rhine-Westphalia, its most populous state. Not to mention the green mayors who also rode this wave into power in small towns and large cities alike. This year, Bonn, the city where DW is based, got its first green mayor, Katja Jona. And with next year's elections, the Green Party looks like it's on the path to become the second strongest party in parliament. Here to explain a bit more about this Green Party rise to power in Germany and what it means on a more practical level for citizens and for the planet, I'm joined by DW's Neil King. Hi, Neil. Thanks for having me, Sam. Real pleasure being here. So what can you tell us about how the Green Party has come to gain so much power in Germany? I think it seems like it's really gained a bit more power than we've seen in other countries around the world anyway. Oh, God, yeah. We have to go back a bit in history just to have a look at how they have developed because the Green Party you see today in Germany is very different from how they set out in 1980. They were founded on a federal level. Back then, they were more like a movement. They weren't so much a party. They weren't so much interested in politics. It was more like a, a ecological and peace movement. Kind of activisty. Yeah, okay. far more activisty. Um, and if you look at them back then, the pictures, you know, they will look like, well, they stuck out in Parliament, but let's put it like that. <laughs> they look more like hippies. Okay. Um, yeah, and they decided, okay, um, they're going to join party politics. But inside this Green Party, there was a lot of friction because you had two very entrenched camps. One were called, in German, they called the Fundis. Those were like more the fundamentalist activist branch. And they were set against the Realos. And those are sort of more like the, more sort of an approach of common sense and compromise and that they wanted to change the system from within. They weren't, you know, so averse to the establishment as the Fundis were, who didn't want to be part of the establishment even. And um, and so this is just within that one party. Yeah, exactly. And this this fight uh, for the first decade of the existence of the Green Party in the 1980s, this uh, there was a struggle for power between these two factions. And it ended up with the Realos basically taking over and a lot of fundis leaving the party. And uh, that made the Greens palatable for the mainstream voter. Then they also became, well, joined the government under the Chancellor, the SPD Chancellor Gerhard Schröder, the Social Democrats, that was in 1998. And they were in power for the first time in German history in the Bundestag as a junior coalition partner. So what do you think the key to success has been for the Green Party here in Germany? There, there are two sides to this story. One side is, of course, that uh, environmental topics are just becoming way, way more important. You know, if you look at surveys in Germany, over a quarter of the people see the climate crisis as the most pressing problem in Germany right now. So uh, the Green Party obviously can benefit from that. Then uh, the other thing is also the Fridays for Future movement in the past few years has galvanised you know, environmental policies, also given the Greens uh, a lot more support. So, you know, they're definitely riding this. It's a green wave, you could say, in Germany. And one of the reasons why this wave is also so strong is not just because of the Greens themselves, but because of the weakness of the other parties. Mm. So you have like parties, the Social Democrats or the Conservatives. They've been pretty much in crisis mode uh, these past 10 years. You know, the days when they would achieve 40 plus at the ballot box, they're over. They don't get that anymore. And it's partly owed to the fact that these parties are faced with rival parties. And that is something the Greens, as yet, don't really face. They're still very 
well, they haven't got a rival party, put it that way yet, but there are rumblings at the bases. 2021 is going to be a big year for Germany. Merkel will be stepping down after 15 plus years at that point. Mm. What has her environmental legacy been? I think Merkel is a very, very interesting figure in so many ways because she's a very polarizing in many ways, but she's also hugely popular here in Germany. If you look at surveys, you know, 70% of Germans think Merkel's work has been good and that she's doing a good job. And internationally as well. I think she has quite a positive reputation overall. Yeah, I think perhaps internationally even more so. The, the problem that I see there is if you look at it in Germany, a lot of Germans feel, okay, internationally that reputation, Merkel subscribes to multilateralism. She's pushing for all these accords and she's happy to sign up to all these pledges of carbon neutrality and et cetera by 2050 and so forth. But when it translates into action at home, that's where environmentalists say she's falling short and that she's caving into lobbyists, you know, from the car industry, for instance, or also that the coal phase out isn't ambitious enough. Germany has pledged to phase out coal no later than 2038. And environmentalists say this is way too late. Why can't she go the same way as she did with the nuclear, which was a real U-turn on Merkel's behalf? Again, this is also why she's such a polarizing figure, because just, you know, uh, a year or two earlier, the parliament had pledged to extend uh, the operation times for nuclear reactors in Germany. Then Fukushima happened. And suddenly Merkel says, oh, no, this is all off. We're going to phase out nuclear and we're going to do it fast. That was something where a lot of people were very angry, also within her party, and where she faced a lot of stiff resistance because they felt this was going too far and it was too rushed. It was a knee-jerk reaction. But yeah, so the, I mean, the, the bottom line is nuclear is going to be phased up by the end of 2022. The last reactors in Germany are going to come offline. Coal is going to be phased up by 2038. So you could see Merkel's legacy as being, she's a bit of a phase-out chancellor, if you like. <laughs> Speaking about what's actually been accomplished, what's getting phased out, we're coming up to the fifth anniversary of the Paris Climate Agreement. And I'm just wondering what concrete things have been achieved in Germany, either under Merkel's leadership or that the Greens have pushed in particular? If we're looking at uh, the phase out, for instance, or you know the carbon neutrality that's to be achieved, Germany hasn't achieved those targets. We have fallen short of that. What are we likely to see coming back to the Greens in a post-Merkel Germany next year? Yeah, well, that's next year is going to be really, really interesting. Um, I was looking at the surveys or the most recent surveys in Germany on uh, the parties uh, that came out just a couple of days ago. And three of these surveys, the most recent ones, they put the Greens at about 20% at the federal election next year. Okay, and how does that compare to the other parties? That's a lot. The Conservatives are forecast to make about 36% if it stays like this. And the Social Democrats, who used to be always, you know, one of the largest parties in Germany, are at 16%. So they are going to come out smaller than the Greens. Now, if you look at coalition constellations, usually the Greens and the Social Democrats have been the perfect fit. They have uh, governed together, uh, you know, in the past under Schröder, they, they governed together. But it looks like for next year that we might see a completely different constellation. Because the Conservatives and the Social Democrats, they are not going to form another grand coalition. Nobody wants that. The electorate doesn't want it. I think the parties themselves are tired of it as well. <laughs> so they're going to try as best as they can to form a different coalition. They will need a coalition because no party is going to score an outright majority. That's just how it is. So it's quite possible we might see the first green conservative government in German history. And I think also looking at the general setup, you know, with how this pandemic is panning out, I think there are a lot of people out there 
that are worried about their jobs, they're worried about the economy. Um, at the same time, they're really worried about the climate crisis. And so with the German electoral system, where you can tick two boxes, you know, you can choose a direct candidate and you can choose a party. Who knows, maybe a lot of Germans next year might decide, I think I'm going to give something to the Greens and I'm going to give something to the Conservatives. Maybe they'll form a coalition. The one party will save my job and the other party will save the climate for me. <laughs> Possible. I don't know. That's my crystal ball. Yeah, well, it'll <laughs> definitely be interesting to watch next year. That's for sure. DW. DW.